Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Like we said earlier, this time going into the Christmas season, uh, one of the best times of the year, right before Thanksgiving, um, the whole holiday season, uh, presumably because, you know, people are nicer to one another during the holidays. That's hopefully what we see going on more and more, but also uh, because of all the food, right? Lots of food, Christmas, Thanksgiving, food-based holidays uh, where people get to sit down with their families and lots of fellowship, friends getting together, uh, community gatherings, workplace gatherings, plus, and I don't, I don't hold me to this, but usually most of the sermons that are preached during the holidays, they're quicker, easier to follow, because they're usually about, you know, giving thanks and, and the birth of Christ. So a lot easier for people to follow. And when we started this series, we said that we wanted to focus on people being more inviting, right? If we're Christians, then we should be inviting more people to be a part of our lives. Uh, granted, you know, COVID, all that kind of stuff plays into it, but just being more inviting overall, right? Because that's what God does for us. He extends an invitation to all of humanity to come to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his family. Uh, but we also wanted to be uh, more thankful, right? And Mark talked about this last week in his message, uh, how we should have uh, thanks for all that God has blessed us with, and that we should especially have thanks for the fact that God loved us, because we really don't deserve his love. So we should be thankful for that. But one of the other things that Mark mentioned really ties into what we're going to talk about today, because he said that it's really hard to love other people, even though we should love other people. God loved us. We should be thankful for his love. And because of his love, we should love other people. But he was talking about the fact that it's, it's kind of hard. And that's true. It is hard to love other people, especially ones that are mean and that hate you and that do mean things, right? Uh, I find it for me, I said this before, I find it hard to love other people who hate me just because of the color of my skin. But God's working in me, and I'm trying to. I really find it hard to hate people, I mean, to love people that hate me because I don't wear a suit on Sunday to preach it. There are a lot of people that have told me I am leading all of you folks into the pit of hell because I don't have on a suit and tie, and neither the word suit and tie. Flannel's not found in the Bible either, but I think God accepts it, right? It's that time of the year. So I, 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 I'm trying to work on it, trying, trying to be more loving, right, of those people, but it really takes the Spirit of God. Now, loving people, because we have the Holy Spirit, a little bit easier to do, because God, God says, hey, uh, that person, Floyd, just love them, show them the same love that I did, so God's working in us, and we can do that. Here's something that's a little bit more difficult. And that's forgiving people, right? Forgiving people seems even harder than loving people. Because, yeah, I can love you. you. I've never met you. Okay, I love you. But it's harder to extend forgiveness to people who have wronged you, who have 
torn you down emotionally, who have maybe talked bad about you, or who have maybe physically attacked you or hurt you. And even harder, even harder, and I'm going to ask the moms to say amen, is when someone hurts your children, right? Because then, you know, the nice loving mom, the mama bear claws come out, right? And like my daughter, I told her it doesn't matter what age she is, she's always going to be my little girl. When she's 99 and in a rocking chair, if I'm still around, she's still going to be my little girl. And if I'm not around, I'll be sitting in heaven still. She's still my little girl. And the thought of someone harming her and then me having to go to them and say, it's okay, I forgive you, it's hard. The thought of someone harming my wife or my family or my children, it's hard to do. And I think, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of us probably feel the same way. It is hard to extend forgiveness to people who have wronged us, especially if they continue to do it. But this is what God calls us to do, right? God calls us to be thankful. He calls us to be inviting, but he also calls us to extend forgiveness to those people that we might have some difficulty extending forgiveness to. Now, some of you, not everyone has this difficulty. Some of you, God has blessed beyond measure. So you can, at your, your, your Thanksgiving or your Christmas dinners or family gatherings, you can sit at the table with people who have wronged you, and they'll be like, hey, I'm sorry for what happened at the last gathering. And you're, you're like, it's okay. I forgive you. Let's move on. I'm going to pass the mashed potatoes. All is good. And thank God for people like you, because on the other end of the table are people like me who find it hard to forgive them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with them. I'm not trying to pass the mashed potatoes. I'm just not trying to smash it in their face because I'm angry about what they did. And there's a lot of us that sit on this end where we find it hard to forgive people that have wronged us especially if they don't have any remorse about it. But this is what God calls us to do. Everywhere in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it tells us over and over that we're supposed to forgive other people because that's what God has done for us. But in our humanity, everywhere across the planet, you'll find people who have difficulty forgiving other people, even though that's what God has done for us. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through how do we actually forgive people who have wronged us without it being phony and fake, like, yes, I forgive you, but I want nothing to do with you. I don't ever want to see you again. We're done. Because that's not the kind of forgiveness that God calls us to. So we're going to take a look at a couple of passages. Uh, First, I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen because we're going to be jumping around a lot. First, this is what Jesus says, right? Because it doesn't matter what I say about it. It doesn't matter what any other pastor says about it. What does God say about it, right? That's the most important thing. So Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, now, he's not preaching this just to Christians. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's just sitting on the top of a hill talking to whoever would come. There were Jewish people that came. His disciples came. There were some people that, like, I want nothing to do with religion that came. There were some people that my religion is politics that came. 
Everyone came and just listened to it. And to them, he says, and this is the amplified version, he says, for if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, giving up the resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So he says, hey, if you forgive people, this isn't just the person who unintentionally wronged you, but the person who willfully said, I'm going to go out of my way to do this to you, to demean you, to talk bad about you, to hurt your family, to do whatever. He says, we have to leave that behind, right? Let it go. Give up the resentment that we have for it. He says, if you do this, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And it almost sounds like he's making it conditional because he says, if you do this. And the reality is, he is making it conditional because in the very next verse, he says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, if you don't leave them, if you don't let them go, if you don't give up the resentment, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. He makes it sound like, hey, if I'm not willing to forgive you, then God is like, then Floyd, why should I forgive you? And here's the reality. This is a Sermon on the Mount. He said this after. This is, these are the verses that came directly after the Lord's Prayer, where we pray, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where we pray, hey, give us our daily bread. Where we pray, forgive us as we forgive others. And the reason, I believe, why he placed it right there is because it takes prayer and the grace of God to truly help us to forgive others. I mean, the true forgiveness, where we, like he said, where we're willing to let it go, give up the resentment, all of that stuff, and still just be, hey, I'm okay with what they've done. I'm not accepting it as right, but you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm going to truly let it go. And for a lot of us, where we miss it is we don't go to God. We just sit and we brood and we hold on to the anger and we hold on to the frustration. Now, the Apostle Paul also talked about it, but he talked about it a little bit more. He wrote in the book of Ephesians, right, which is more of a spiritual guide. The book of Ephesians, which we haven't gone through, we'll probably go through, uh, God willing, if Christ doesn't return, the end of uh, either the end of the summer or the fall of 2022. Uh, the book of Ephesians is like a book that calls Christians to acknowledge you're not like everybody else. You're spiritual beings filled with the literal Holy Spirit of God and calls them to live like it. You're not like everybody else. If you have the spirit of the living God inside you, you're not like anybody else on the planet. Okay? And so Paul, he writes to them in the book of Ephesians, and in chapter 4, he says this. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And in the first chapter, he opens the book of Ephesians, making sure that we, the readers and those who he were talking to, that we understand that we were called by God to this life. We didn't just happen upon it. it, didn't, it didn't just, we didn't just stumble into it. That before the foundation of the earth was laid, God looked down through the annals of time and he said, hey, you know, Floyd, you are going to do some really bad stuff in your life, but I'm going to call you 
to be in fellowship and relationship with me, and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you so that you can live a better life. And Paul says, hey, we need to live a life worthy of being called by God. Now, he goes through a lot talking about how we can do that, but I'm going to drop down to uh, verse 29, and he says this. One of the ways that we do that, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And that's harsh for a lot of us. He doesn't say it, but I think he would also add in or any unwholesome texts or comments or Facebook posts where we tear down one another and do that kind of thing that you see all over social media. Because he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to your needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And he's not done. And a lot of people stop there. He's not done. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So one of the ways that we live a life that's worthy of being called by God is that we don't tear one another down. Now, remember, when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he was just talking to everybody. Paul wrote this specifically to Christians. And he's telling us, hey, we're not supposed to tear one another down. The only type of conversations that we should be having are ones that build one another up. And let me tell you why. And, okay, so Beth is new, so we're going to talk about her. So if I have a problem with Beth... I'm not supposed to tear Beth down either to her or to any of you because it grieves the Holy Spirit. And it grieves the Holy Spirit because the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in Beth. So if I start tearing Beth down, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit because I'm tearing the Holy Spirit down because the Holy Spirit that's in her is the same one that's in me. So that what I should do is be lifting Beth up and encouraging Beth, and I'm going to stop because she's getting a little shy, and I don't want to put her on the spot, but that's what we're supposed to do. That's what he calls us to. But then he goes on, and part of that, and he says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says, not only am I not supposed to tear other Christians down, not only am I supposed to build them up, I'm supposed to let go of the anger, the rage, the malice. I'm supposed to be kind to one another. We're supposed to be compassionate, and we're supposed to forgive one another because that's what Christ did for us. I mean, doesn't that make sense? If Christ forgave us, then we should forgive one another. Because the idea is, hey, when we all sit around the table together as family, I'm supposed to be able to share and look at you and, and build you up and encourage one another, not be angry at you, and not tear you down. And here's the reality. This is the question, because he wrote this to Christians, but how can we show the world what forgiveness from God looks like if we can't forgive one another, the only way that anyone in the world can know what forgiveness from God looks like is if the people who have received it extend it. And if we're not willing to extend it, then no one else is going to know what it looks like. 
And right now, when you look at the body of Christ, denominations are splitting, people are angry at one another, churches won't get together and do things. And I get, there's still COVID out there, but there are concerts going on, school sports are going on, but try to get the churches to come together and do something, and no one wants to do it. How can we show people what God is able to do if we're not going to come together to show people what God is able to do, right? So here's the thing. We're going to walk through, we're going to walk through what it looks like to extend forgiveness, right? By the time we're done, hopefully we'll all have like A pluses in forgiveness 101. And it's not easy, right? It's, it, it's still a struggle. It still takes the Spirit of God, uh, but we're going to do it. But the first thing that we need to understand is we can't extend that true forgiveness that comes from God if we haven't experienced it, right? You can't, you can't sell something you don't have. You can't show something you don't have. You cannot extend something that you have never received. You're not able to communicate, here's what true forgiveness from God looks like, if you've never experienced, here's what true forgiveness from God looks like, right? And for me, here, 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 here's, there's this verse, that I've shared this with you bunches of times, that it like crippled me when it came to understanding forgiveness. And it's in Romans chapter 5 where Paul says this. Paul communicates to the church in Rome, and he says this. He says, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He says, while we were enemies of God, that word enemies isn't just like someone I don't like. It means someone that you should go to war with. While we were in the position where God should have gone to war against us and wiped us out, instead he sent his son to die for us, to reconcile us to himself. And not only did he do that, but every day, the same son who died for us encourages us to live for him. That's the way that we should look at forgiveness. And the only way we're able to extend it to other people is if we've received it ourselves. And if you haven't, and here's, here's, here's where, again, if you haven't, I know there are people say that you got to do an altar call. I know that people say you got to raise your hands. You got to come to the front. You got to do, none of that is required. If you haven't received God's forgiveness, all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus and the finished work that he did on the cross. You don't have to come to the front. You don't have to bow your head, raise your hand, close your eyes. All you have to do is put your faith in what Jesus did and put your trust in him. And then once you, you've done that, you, begin, you can begin that journey of truly not just experiencing his forgiveness, but sharing it and extending it to other people. And the first part of that is understanding that when you forgive someone, it's not condoning their wrongs, right? Jesus extends forgiveness to all of us for our sins. He's not condoning our sins, saying, hey, all of your sins are okay. They're still wrong, but he extends forgiveness to us. When we forgive people for the wrongs they've done against us, it's not us saying, hey, that wrong was okay, feel free to do it again. It's not us saying, hey, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm going to experience that wrong again. 
When we extend forgiveness, it's not condoning their wrong. But it is acknowledging I have some pain and I have some hurt and I'm going to have to ask God to help me deal with it. And here's an unpopular opinion, and I can't find a verse in the Bible that says this, but it is okay to, yes, go to God and say, I need help with my pain and hurt, but also to go to a therapist, a psychologist, or whoever you need to go see to help you deal with whatever the pain and the hurt is. Because remember, the goal for us is to give up the resentment and to let go of the anger. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about, like we read. He said, hey, forgiving their willful sins, letting it go, giving up the resentment. For some of us, that may be easy. Just say, hey, God, I need you to, to help me do it. And it may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years. We may be still struggling with it when Christ returns. But the idea is we're taking steps to not hold on to it. And like Paul said, the idea is that we're trying to get rid of all the, the rage, the anger, the brawling. We're trying to forgive just as Christ allowed us to experience his forgiveness. And then here's the other thing. We're trying to, to be kind to them. We need to be able to look at them as if they had never sinned. We need to be able to, just like we read, to show kindness to them. And that may seem a little bit harsh. How am I supposed to show kindness to someone who has wronged me in all these ways. And with the last few minutes, I want to I, I wanna give you an example of that. Um, in, in the, uh, we went through a series called The Crown where we talked about King David's life, right? Uh, so I'm going to refer to this passage of scripture from 2 Samuel. And David, uh, when he was a teenager, some say 10, more likely 12, 13 years old, right? He was called by God, just like you and I, called, called by God, hey, David, you're going to be king. And so David went and through God's strength fought Goliath. David went and through God's strength worked in the house of Saul, who was the current king. But then David spent the next 15 to 18 years of his life on the run from Saul. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? When David was 30 years old, he became king over a small portion of Israel, and then he later became king over all of Israel. And David said, hey, his, one of his first acts was, I'm not going to do what everyone else in the culture does, because the rule at that time was, once I became king, I would be okay, it was culturally acceptable, for me to kill anyone that was a threat to my throne. So no one would have batted an eye if David, instead of saying, is there anyone still left to whom I can show kindness, if David had said, is there anyone still left from the house of Saul who I need to take out and eliminate, everyone would have been okay with that. But that's not what David did. David said, hey, is there anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? When Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Now, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was the current king. David and Jonathan were tight like brothers. And Jonathan who was a God-honoring man, said, hey, I realize, even though by birth 
as the son of Saul, I'm supposed to be king, I realize that God has called you to be king. And when you become king, I will serve you faithfully, just like I served my father. But then Saul and Jonathan were killed. And David, after 18 years of Saul trying to kill him, finally became king. And he calls for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was lame in both of his legs. During one of the wars, uh, the, the, the nurse or nanny went to pick up Mephibosheth and to run, but she dropped him when he was young, and his legs became crippled. So now that he's older, and his family has been killed, and his birthright has been taken, and in his mind, the cultural acceptable thing is for the king to eliminate all of the threats. So David sends guards to go bring Mephibosheth to me. And you and I would be thinking the same thing that he was probably thinking like, hey, he's calling me to bring me to the castle to eliminate any threats. And when you're lame and they didn't have like wheelchairs or Uber, so he couldn't run, all he could do was show up. And when he showed up, this is what David said to him. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. He said, even though culturally I should kill you, I'm going to show you kindness. And when I sit at my table with my family, you're invited to sit there with me. Not because you deserve it. Not because I'm that good that I'm going to show it to you. But because of what Jonathan, the kindness that he showed to me. And that's the type of forgiveness that we're called to show to other people. Not because we're that good. And not because they deserve it, but because of what Christ did for us. That's how we show kindness to people. That's why it takes the grace of God and the spirit of God to be able to truly forgive people. We're not condoning their wrong. We're asking God to help us deal with the pain and the anger and the resentment, however long that takes. Don't let anyone else tell you how long you need to deal with what's going on with you. But then we're trying to look at them as if they had never sinned so we can show kindness to them just like God did to us. I was going to ask the band to come up, but we're running a little bit late, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And maybe there's somebody in your life, in your circle of influence, whom you need to extend forgiveness to. And I'm not going to pretend that it's that easy, that when we walk out of here and get in our cars and get home, we're able to say, I'm healed, I'm done, it's over, I forgive you. But I'm going to ask that we pray about taking the first step 
And if you haven't, that first step is just acknowledging that I need the forgiveness of God. So God, we pray that if there's anyone here that needs to accept you as Lord and Savior, that they do so now, that you speak to their hearts and let them know that they are forgiven for their sins the moment they put their faith and their trust in you, and that you guarantee it by sealing them with the promised Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would also speak to us and let us know it's not condoning the wrongs of the person, but we ask that you would also help us deal with the pain and any hurt and any resentment and any anger and any malice and any frustration that we have, and we ask that you would allow us to look at them the same way that you look at us, as if we had not done anything wrong and that we're able to show the kindness through the grace and power of your Holy Spirit to them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.